So Loveology is where we're going here for a few weeks. And we're going we're gonna to lean in and learn about this thing called love. Ology. Anybody? Ology? What's ology for? Thank you. Boy, you guys have been to school. Study of. Study of. Ology is about the study of something. So as we set out over these next few weeks, we're going to study about this thing called love. You see, love's an interesting word because we, we use the word love in a lot of different ways. How many of you love pizza? Okay, I'm getting closer. Chocolate, ice cream. I mean, we just have all kinds of things. And then you got a grandma, maybe. You love your grandma. And maybe you got a sibling and you love your sibling. Or you have a, a pet and you love your, you love your animal. We have, love just spans all of these different categories. And, and, and so we're in this, in, it's so common sometimes that we got to take a moment and, and, and drill down. I was uh, at Super Bowl today. Anybody going to watch that? Super Bowl. How many people for the uh, 49ers? One, one, one per one. How did you get so alone? We have one for the 49ers. Some of you don't care, and then I'm assuming the rest of you are for the Chiefs. And some of you are like, and some of you are like, there's a game today. What is this thing called the Super Bowl? My daughter was like, are we having soup? I mean, yeah. So I mean, whoa. And so, <laughs> but any, but it's like, it's like. Yeah, there's a game, and so I, I am okay with the game, but what I'm really okay with is the commercials, because you have to remember that people either spent millions to produce them, and they spent millions more to, to have them shown at a certain time during the Super Bowl, millions of dollars, and so I was, I was just scrolling through some that were already out for preview, and there's one that's going to come up today, and it's from New York Life. And I thought it was fascinating because the beginning of the commercial just simply says, you know the Greeks, well, no, I don't know the Greeks, but he said, the Greeks have four words to describe love. And you'll see the commercial a little later today. And, and so they start off and they say, hey, you know what, there's, there's phileo. There's phileo love, and they say it's, it's an affection that grows from friendship. It's a brotherly love. We know of Philadelphia. That's the city of what? It's the city of brotherly love. So there's phileo, and then it says there's storge. It's the kind of love that you have for a grandparent or a, or a brother, someone in your family. And then, of course, there's eros, the love that is the, the passion that's found in, in romance. And then they, the, the half of the commercial then is about this word called agape. And then they have some images, and it actually, it's pretty moving. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a significant commercial that had a very emotional draw to it around this whole idea of love. Because you see, we live, we live in a world that is fluent with using the word love, but it's anemic in the practice of it. See, we know how to say it. We know how to speak it. We know that we overuse that word sometimes, that word love. And then when it comes to this aspect of, of practicing it, we're somewhat anemic. What's the word anemic mean? It, it's, it's simply this idea that we're lacking power. We're, 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 we're minus something. There's a listness. There, there's a weakness. There's, there's something that doesn't bring the, the dynamic nature to this thing called love. And so we're going to anchor this series around a letter and, and a, just a portion of a letter by a guy named John, Apostle John. And, uh, 
He was, he was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. You may have heard of him before. But he's, he's a fascinating guy. And I, I was doing just a little thinking this week and kind of poking around a little bit just to think about and set the foundation of who this guy was, this, this guy named John. He was the only one of the disciples that wasn't killed as a martyr. So somehow his life he navigated, not from a lack of trying, but he wasn't killed as a martyr. He was banished at one point to the island of Patmos near the end of his life where he wrote the fifth of his New Testament books. And so we get the vast majority of this guy named John from the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, he, he wrote an, an, a story and an account of the life of Jesus. And then he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then he wrote Revelation. So, I mean, this guy put together five of these books of the New Testament through, through God's inspiration. He brought us a lot of the content that we have about Jesus. And, and it's interesting because he was, he was a brother. He had a brother, and his brother got him over to Jesus. And so all of a sudden, here he is, and, and in, in this relationship that he has with Jesus, he had 12, and then he had three. He had Peter, James, and John. And then out of, out of those three, he had this one that became the beloved. And he kind of self-identified himself as the person that Jesus loved. And his name was John. And so he, he, he brought this all together. And it's interesting because the, the content of Scripture that John gave to us came later in John's life. It, probably in the 80s or 90s A.D., John began to put together the John for second, third John. He put together Revelation. And, and it's interesting because there's been a 50-year time gap between the life of Jesus and what John records for us. And so some people think that John's writings, have you ever, you ever gotten like you came to like a space and people said, hey, you're new to Jesus, you should read what? You should read the gospel of John. It's the one that a lot of times there's little, if someone hands you just a portion of the Bible, oftentimes they will just hand you the book of John because John has this unique perspective and, and part of that perspective formed and developed in the fact that after 50 years after Jesus, John starts writing some things down. And this, and, and, he's, and I think he's starting, starting to write down some of the things he was hearing, some of the things that were in question, some of the things that like, hey, it's been 50 years since Jesus was here. Here's what he's hearing on the street. This is what needs to be thought of. This is what needs to be recorded for us. So this letter of John and what we're, what we're going to look at today, he was an old man living in a, in, in a town called Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. It was in what's in modern day Turkey. And he was over there. I, I had a chance to visit there once. He, he became, if you remember at the cross, John became the person who Jesus said, hey, take care of my mom. And so it's actually a space over there in that part of the world. It's called the House of the Virgin Mary. That legend has it. That's where Mary ended. That's where her life finished, was in near Ephesus. And John was part of her caretaking. And so John has this significant, this significant foundation and it was interesting, I was reading, John in his old age, people would have to carry him to church. And I'm hoping that Bob and I can be carried to church someday. And Bob's still climbing the stairs, it's awesome. So, but it's like, there's this, there's this opportunity where John would just get drugged into church, literally, and carried in. And then at the end of the service, they'd say, John, do you have anything to, anything to add to our gathering today? And these were John's words, it was just little children let us love one another. And people are like, John, 
You said that last week. You said that the week before. You said that the week before that. Every time we, we drag you into church here, John, that's your phrase. Little children, let us love one another. And, and this was John's response. Because it is the Lord's commandment, and if this only is done, it is enough. Wow. And, and so it's in John's letter here that we see this, some incredible teaching on love. And we're going to just pull a few verses out today of what this looks like. And, and, and of the four words we described earlier, the word for love that John is bringing us towards here is the word agape. And so the question today is, how can you truly know what love is? And there's so many songs that float through my head when you think about love songs. And maybe next week we'll play church karaoke. But I, wouldn't that be, yeah, we might. But I mean, today I was just, we got four people. And, uh, but yeah, we'll maybe play a little church karaoke with some favorite love songs. But, you know, I, anyway. So the first thought, the first thought as we go into 1 John chapter 4, the first thought is simply this, is you have to start at the foundation of love. For love to be able to be built, for love to be able to happen, for love to be able to, to, to be a part of who we are, we have to start with the right foundation. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love each other because what? Love comes from God. Those who love are God's children. And they know God. Those who do not love do not know God. Why? Because God is love. Have you heard that phrase before? God is love. See, what do we see in these verses? We see, first of all, that John tells us that love comes from where? Love comes from God. There is a source to love. The, the people who can truly love are those who have what? A relationship with God. See, we, have, we tend to think that love is natural. Man, what did I just fell into love? Anybody ever fall in love? You think you did. You fell into something else. <laughs> but <laughs> it might have felt like love, but man, you get up off of that fall and you're like, mm, that wasn't love. <laughs> really? I mean, it's true. I mean, we, we live in that phrasing like, hey, I just fell in love. No, man, you fell into something else. Let me pull you out. You're, that's quicksand. <laughs> You're not there. But, but see, actually, desire is what's natural. Attraction is natural. But the kind of love that the Bible talks about, you know what it is? It's supernatural. Because it's not something we can do in and of our own strength. See, naturally, we tend to have a love that's largely selfish. We're attracted and we're kind to people who? People that we're drawn to. It's easy for me to love the people that are, that are lovely. It's easy to love the people who might kind of love me back. That's the easy kind of love. That's the stuff that's on the lowest shelf of what love is all about. But the kind of love that comes from God sees beyond the surface. It sees beyond what comes naturally. It's, it's not conditional on a person's response back to me. This kind of love that John is starting to lay the foundation for, it's anchored, it's anchored in the value that's inherent in every person through God's eyes. Paul described it in 1 Corinthians 13 and 
we may get there later in this series, but just listen to these words. They're not going to come on the screen, but just listen to these, these characteristics of love. It says, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always helpful and endures through every circumstance. See, anybody ever or currently play an instrument? Any instrument players? Uh, how many, like past, past instrument players? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, fifth grade, fifth grade, I got the trumpet. Oh, my word, that was awesome. I thought, you know, and you get the little case, and man, you carry it on the school bus, and you get a little bit of breakout of class to go to band, and you know, you start picking up the instrument. I got, I got five years of life with the trumpet. You practice at night, bother your parents, just all of this stuff around this instrument. But you know what I noticed after five years, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade of playing the trumpet? You know what I noticed? There's a big difference between a person who can play the trumpet and a person who's a musician. Anybody ever play something and you're not a musician? Yeah, that was my trumpet experience. I knew, I knew how to play the trumpet. But notes on a page and music are two different things. And you've got to recognize that there's a difference there. And in the same way, human love and God's love are different. We all love in the human sense because we can play the notes. We know how to play the notes sometimes of relationship. We know how to play the notes of what it looks like to experience, to give and receive some love. But, but John wants us to know that we'll never be able to play the music of love unless God has done something inside of us. Because it goes way beyond playing the notes. I could bring my trumpet out today. It would be awful. I might remember, maybe remember a few of the things. Because I, I only played the notes. I never played the music. In other words, we don't learn love by attending a seminar. We can't read enough books. We can't try harder. Yeah, there's some practice to this whole thing. But we learn love how? As we draw closer to God. As we draw closer to our relationship with him. What does John say? He says, God is love. Now that, boy, you can get lost in that statement there. But John is not saying love is God. So you got to remember there's a difference in those two things because there's, we, what we tend to do in our world is we seem to believe that whatever gives us the feelings of earthly love is worthy of what? It's worthy of our devotion. So now all of a sudden, love becomes God, not God is love. And so now we go after the, the object, but we leave out we leave out the actual object that love is coming from and through God. John's saying, hey, don't define God by your definition of love. Instead, define love how? By the character of God, who God is. Love is the filter if you want to know what true love is. Love permeates everything that, that he does. And those who are in relationship with God, what? Well, love others. See, oftentimes we tend to adopt the attitude of the people around us. Anybody work with some negative people? If your hand's not up, it might be you. <laughs> really? 
really, and if, if your co-workers here, they're like, yeah, I do. They're sitting over there. <laughs> it, it's just the nature of life. I get it. But sometimes we can get in this space where we work around some negative people, and how, what do we all of a sudden take on? Negative characteristics. Like, you have to work hard when you're in a negative environment to overcome the negativity because it starts to just, like, it starts to pull on you a little bit. And, uh, but if you're around positive people and you're around encouraging people, either you're going to be miserable or you're gonna, your, your attitude's going to raise a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lift up a little bit. And, and John's argument here is simple. If God's spirit truly resides in us, his character and his attitude should what? It should influence us. The spirit of God and God involved with us and God with us and in us should all of a sudden impact our life. We should begin to reflect who God is, because God is love. And, 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 and then we move, and so John argues that if we don't begin to reflect God's love, we might need to stop for a minute and look at the connection and the relationship that we have. Second thought, you, you have to build your love from the gift you've received. Listen, our, our, listen, listen to verses 9 through 11. God has shown his love for us by sending his only son into the world. God did this so we might have life through Christ. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. For God sent his son to what? Pay for our sins with his own blood. Dear friends, if God loved us that much, then we should love each other. There's some powerful words in these verses right here. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. For God sent his son to pay for our sins with his own blood. See, that is the core of the good news, oftentimes called the gospel. See, if you understand that sentence, you begin to understand the message of what Jesus is all about. Uh, you'll notice in, in, our, in your program today, and grab one if you missed it, but we're, we're in February and it's Black History Month. And uh, I'm part of the team at Life Center that's in the, the diversity and equity team. And so we've got some highlights around Black History Month, and, and we'll have some different pastors that we've researched, and one of them is a guy named Richard Allen, founder of the African American Methodist Episcopal Church. That's a mouthful. But it's, it's been called the most significant black institution of the 19th century. Listen to what he said. He said, the plain and simple gospel suits best for any people. That's what's in these verses here, the plain and simple gospel. I, I pulled this verse out of a couple other translations. Look at it in the NIV. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as what? As an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The, the, the NLT said he paid for our sins. Here it says atoning sacrifice. And one more out of the uh, English Standard Version, and it says this. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. How many of you used that in a sentence this week? It's a significant word, and you can go to Bible school or seminary or some of the places I've been, and that word gets put on a quiz and it gets put on a test. But I mean, we've kind of gone from he paid for our sins, he atoned for our sins, he's the propitiation for our sins. All kind of in the same lane of meaning. What it means is God is the initiator. God is the initiator. He does not respond to our love for him. He loved us before we could ever love him. And he showed his love in a very specific way. How did he show his love? First of all, in those verses, it says God gave his son. 
First, or John wrote in John, his, own, his other book, 316, for God so loved the world, what? That he gave his only son. He loved us that much. He sent his son to rescue us. God didn't write a check. He didn't form a relief organization. He didn't send us love notes. He became intimately and personally involved in the challenge that we all face, and he gave us the most precious gift he could give us to rescue us from our sins, and that gift was his son. He sent his son as the atoning sacrifice or this this word of propitiation. It's a vivid picture to the people in John's day. How many of you are working through the one-year Bible? Anybody reading the Bible? It's cool. We got an app. We'll send it to you every day. But but I'm reading a little bit ahead because there's a little daily thought that comes with it. And so I was reading this morning. And how many of you ever get bogged down in some of the Old Testament when you're reading? Yeah, I'm... I'm right there, man. There's so many things in Leviticus where I'm at right now. It's like I didn't know there was that many different things, and there was mold in the house, and there's mold on my clothes, and then there's some stuff. But finally this morning, if you ever get to the book of Leviticus and you're bogged down, don't don't stop or stop and focus in when you get to Leviticus chapter 16. It's really the core of the whole book, and there's a picture in there that's the picture of what John is writing for us here. In the Old Testament, Leviticus 16 talks about the Day of Atonement, and there was something very unique that happened. Two goats were brought in. Anybody? Goats? You got some? Let's bring, you know, we, we've got a different plan now, but two goats were brought forward by the high priest. First goat was killed. And the blood was sprinkled on the, on the altar, and the blood was given as a payment to satisfy the justice of God. You can read about it more in the Old Testament. Then, then, this, then this, second, this second goat was brought, and, and, and it, because sin and rebellion can't simply be overlooked. And so now this, this second goat was brought in called sometimes the scapegoat. You've heard that phrase before, a scapegoat. And so this second goat was brought forward, and the sin of the people was confessed, and both hands were put on the head of the goat, and then the goat would be taken out to the wilderness and would be set free. And it was a symbol for these people that sin was being, was being removed from the people. It was an atoning sacrifice. It was the payment to provide a way for people to maintain a relationship with God. Are you thankful that Jesus came? Because that could be pretty weird. People would be looking at us here if we had a bunch of goats out back. And like, oh, it's Goat Sunday. Which one's going to live and which one are we going to let loose down at Point Defiance? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it'd be be totally different. But the problem was the sacrifices on the Day of Atonement were only temporary. By that afternoon, they needed to sacrifice some more. And God sent his son for what? To be the final sacrifice. Jesus, Jesus was sent to give his life on our behalf. He gave his life to satisfy the demands of justice and to make mercy possible. His life was of such value that it paid for the past, the present, and the future. That's the gift here of his son. He didn't send Jesus to teach us. He sent Jesus to take away the penalty of our sin. And that's this core of love. There was a barrier that existed between God and man, and, 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 and God's like, hey, I'm going to send my son. I can't ignore sin, so I'm going to send my son who can step in that space. 
See, love by its nature has an element where it can be antagonistic. Because all of a sudden you, 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 get, you get to defending that thing that you love. Uh, simple, simple illustration. When my, our firstborn son, he was a baby, and we had done something at church over at, we were on staff at Central Tacoma years ago, and so we were going to some friends' house, so we were driving out Orchard, and uh, we, I, I'm watching in the rearview mirror, and I put the brakes on to take a right towards our friend's house, and the guy behind me did not stop. So I got my wife, I got a newborn, and I'm trying to, now, you ever watch that when someone's going to hit you? It's kind of a weird feeling. So I'm watching it, and I'm trying to get my, oh, I better take my foot off the brake, because he's not going to stop, and tried to get ahead of him a little bit, but he hit me, and so... We came to a stop, and boy, my wife, she's a meek, mild lady until you did something for her baby. Now Mama Bear came out of the car. <laughs> I felt sorry for the guy, because it's like she comes running out of the car. She's like, you been drinking? You hit my car. I got my baby in here. What's wrong with, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, sorry, dude, sorry, you just, you just poked the bear, and, uh, but what was that response from, the response was from love, it, response was from love, so love isn't always just, love can take it on if it needs to, and God's like, hey, we have a problem here. We have a problem with sin. There's a separation that has come into this space. I need to do something about it. I'm going to send my son. And so we get this, and it's like we don't always understand all this Old Testament sacrificial stuff, but something had to do, something, and really that's what we see there is that God gave his son what? To, to die for sinners. Welcome to the club. It's for all of us. And he gave his son as that atoning sacrifice for his sin, for our sin. See, God didn't send Jesus into the world because we were good people who needed help. See, that's an easy way to go after God. Oh, yeah, I just, thanks, thanks God for sending Jesus. I did need a little help. No, he didn't send his son into the world because we were trying hard. And boy, if you try just a little bit harder, here, follow Jesus because he's got the standard of what it looks like. Follow him because if you try a little harder, you're going to find your way into this relationship. No, God sent his son into this world in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. And if you can come to the realization that you and I are all dead, and the fact that Jesus came to give us life, it changes everything. Because how often have we tried to, like, be good enough? You can't do it. There is no way you can be good enough because we're dead. The sentence is death, and God's like, hey, I understand that. I know who you are. I recognize where you're at. And it's just like, you know what? I'm going to come, and I'm going to bring dead people to life. I'm going to start with my son, and then I'm going to distribute it to all of you. Receive it. Receive the gift of life. Don't receive the gift of good behavior. I'm just not good enough. Don't receive the gift of like, well, that was, a, he's a good teacher. No, receive the gift of life that Jesus has to give. It's, it, it goes way beyond anything we could ever expect. I, I mean, we'll get into some other stuff in this series, but we, we will never understand the love of God until we know ourselves. 
We can't understand grace until we understand the nature of sin. We'll not understand the wonder of atoning sacrifice until we fully understand what we needed to be saved from. See, so often it's just like, well, I'm okay. I'm close. And we put ourselves on a goodness scale, and then all of a sudden we want to compare ourselves to somebody else. Well, compared to them, I'm great. <laughs> well, I know, but you got the wrong scale. You got the wrong scale. You're, you're moving within like fractional differences. And then all of a sudden, there's this, there's this opportunity that you have, and it's like, no, here's, here's God. Here's you and me. There's, there's, a long, there's a big gap here. And God's like, I know there's a gap. That's why Jesus came. You can't do enough to close this gap. And so often we bought into something where it's like, I've got to earn it or I've got to do something or I've, my goodness is going to get me through. It doesn't get us through. It's not enough. We can't get ourselves through. And we have to understand what that looks like. And once we fully understand the gift of forgiveness, we'll be overwhelmed with the depth of God's love. And we'll be, we'll be overwhelmed by his grace. And all of a sudden, that begins to motivate us. That's what motivates us to the good deeds. Not the good deeds motivate us to receive God's love. We receive God's love, and then that motivates us towards the action. The, the foundation of God is what brings us into that motivation. See, when we really get it, then we move into that space of transformation. Things begin to change. We drop some hatred. We, we give some forgiveness. We, we understand that when we hold grudges against each other, we show that we haven't fully grasped what it is that God wants to do in and through us. Last thought. As you live out, the third thought here is just simply this. As you love, you live out God to others. Uh, verse 12 says, no person has ever seen God at any time. If we love each other, God lives in us. His love is made perfect in us. No one has ever seen God. Uh, what did John, Jesus say to Philip in, in John 14? He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. This should be true of anybody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. When people see us, they should see a reflection of Jesus. You know, if you have kids, or we've all been kids, and at some point, like, I'll run into people, and they'll, they've known my dad over the years or something, they'll be like, wow, you look like your mom, or <laughs> you look a little bit like your dad, or you get mannerisms, or you have things. We recognize what that reflection looks like in the natural, but John here is giving us an opportunity where the reflection needs to take on the supernatural. The reflection needs to take on who truly is our Father. And when they look at how we treat each other, they should see this agape love beginning to form itself. Our lives should be like, like, some, like today's a sunny day. It's awesome. But, and it's like every once in a while, a little sunbeam will hit through the window, and you're like, oh, this is great. And, 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 and what does it look like for the light to begin to shine out through us, even little glimpses of it? A good question maybe to ask some of your friends, especially someone who's not a Jesus person, is do you see God in and through me? Ask them that and see what they have to say. Ask them, ask them what that is. If the answer is no, maybe there's a problem. See, if God's spirit is living inside of us, his influence will be so great, the only thing it can do is shine. It can only shine. 
I had a chance to speak at the men's breakfast over at Central yesterday, and, and the thought, one of the thoughts that I had was just, our life is like a boat going through the water, and as we go through the water, behind us, we leave a wake. You know, if you watch a boat go through, it's kind of a V behind there, and there's two wakes, you know, one on each side, and it kind of ripples out. What is the wake of your life producing? As you go through life, what's behind you? What follows you? What, you know, David wrote in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Is that part of your wake? As you're going through life and running into people, do they feel like, wow, there's some goodness and mercy with that person? I don't know. I, the words I put on myself were peace and joy. And, and I'd love to, like, my life, that could I go through and could I come into situations where when I left it or the wake behind me was like, wow, things are a lot more peaceful. There's a little bit of joy. There's, there's something beyond just this person just plowing through. And, and imagine being in a perfectly dark room. Uh, we, I sleep in a really dark room. We have some room darkening shades, and it's just dark. And so I first up, and so I'm always scrambling in the dark, trying not to run into something and making myself to get, get ready. And, but when I come out and I get ready to leave my room, there's, there's, a, there's a, a hall light on 24-7. And so the door to my bedroom, there's a little outline of light in the darkness, that light I can't extinguish because it's on, but I, it, it lets me know where the door is that, so I don't wake anybody up and I can find my way out of my room because there's a little bit of a reflection from the other side of the door. What would our life look like if that was kind of how we went around? People, boy, it's dark in here, but I see a little reflection. I see a little, I see a little light coming through the cracks here. That's what we have the opportunity to live in this relationship that Jesus has invited us into, to be the light. Our relationship with him is, is evident and it's shown through the fact that we, we are carriers of the light, that wherever we go, we leave awake, goodness, mercy, peace, joy. You pick the words of the wake you want to leave behind you through Jesus living in you. That's what people should see. And so if we want to learn how to love each other, we, we, we have to first look at ourselves. We need to recognize where it is that we've come from, where we've been forgiven, and, and where Jesus has done the work. And as we look at him, we, we need to see the way that he loved others and the way that he loved us. And then we need to see how, how he loved us in spite of who we were. And where he's leading us and where he's guiding us. And at that point, then we're able to look towards others through the right lens. And we can step into this place that John is calling us to. It's like, okay, hey, here's who God is. Here's the gift that he gave through his son, Jesus. Receive that gift and allow that gift of his life to change and transform your life. And not just your life, but the life of those around you. Because now you can begin to live in the relationships and in the space that Jesus has for you. And so as we wrap this up this morning, I just was kind of thinking through and it's like there's a, there's a place here where we have to know and we have to obey. We have it up here, and, but there's also then some activity that goes beyond just having it in our head. How many of you educated beyond your level of obedience? Okay, rest of you, I'm praying for you.
But, but we know what it looks like to be educated beyond our level of obedience. And somewhere in there we have to know and we have to obey. And just the phrases that I wrote down here was just, God led the way, Jesus provided the way, and you and I are invited to show the way. That's what we have. That's what we have. That is the opportunity we have. As we show, we show the way as we receive it and we give it. The love that we have received that was, we weren't worthy, but he said, hey, I, I don't care about your worthiness. I care about who you are. I've sent my son for you. And as we receive that, you and I have the opportunity now to let it reflect back out, to be a light in the darkness. It's love of one another. It's love of people that we'll come in contact with this week. At at some point, we're going to scatter here in just a minute. We're going to go all over. We're going to Nepal this week. We're going to South Tacoma. Anybody else going someplace fun? I mean, yeah, we're going someplace. We're going to cover Nepal and Tacoma for sure. And I don't know where else your path has taken you. But as you go, as you go, you've received, now give. Live in this love, this foundational agape love that only God can give through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a gift for each one of us. And it's a gift that's intended to keep on giving. Let's stand together. And um, if, if, the gift of, if the gift of Jesus is where you're at today, by all means, let's, let's say a prayer with you because that's a great, you're not going to go any further with this love story until you've received the gift of God's son, Jesus Christ. That's at the foundation of the love story because everything else you're trying to do in the natural, you have to do it in the supernatural. You have to do it in and through God's love and through God's power. God is love. He loves you. He loves me. He loves you so much that he sent his son at a high cost, the cost of his life. But he's like, hey, I'm making a way. And as you receive that, now you are free to share it with others. And that should be an indicator and that should be a picture of what your relationship with me looks like. Reflect his love this week. You're going to run into somebody that needs a little light in their life. They're going to need some light. Even if it's a dark place, be the light around the outline of the door. Allow God to quit playing the notes and play some music. God wants the music of love in the world that you come in contact with this week. And he needs each of us doing what we do through him, because of him. And so that's my encouragement today of We'll have some people up here for prayer if you need to connect on something specific. If it's your Jesus day, man, find one of us. Let's, let's say yes to Jesus. There's some books back there just called Following Jesus. You can grab one of those, but I'd love to know if that's kind of your deal today because you and I have the opportunity to receive and then to give the love that only he can provide. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for each of these who are here today. And Lord, as we just spend this month navigating and looking through some ideas and thoughts around love, what a great foundation. Your love, the gift of your son, the opportunity we have to receive new life, and out of that, the opportunity we have to be carriers of the good news. We were not 
bad people who needed to be made good. We were dead people who needed to be brought to life. And Lord, we receive that life once again today, the life that only you can give. And we thank you for that gift. And as we receive your life and your love, may we be carriers of life and love in the world we come in contact with this week, be it Nepal or be it around the corner, wherever it is, people need to experience your love and they can experience, as you said today, in and through us as we are carriers of the love we've received. And we thank you for that and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, have a good week. Thanks for being here.